Welcome to the 148th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Witcher, and we are recording on the Wednesday evening after Arsenal's visit to Paris Saint-Germain to claim a Champions League point to begin their European campaign this season. So without further ado, let's start with panel introductions. First up, our last podcast was back in May, and he's been good enough to return to ensure we have a full panel, and not only that... He hasn't slept since Monday night due to covering the PSG match and then not sleeping due to catching a Eurostar back to London at the crack of dawn. He did find a couple of hours to have a drink in between finishing work and catching the train. So forgive him if he crashes out at some point in the next 50 minutes plus. It's a very warm welcome to a regular Guna contributor, Mr Laith Youssef. Cheers, Kevin. Next, an occasional columnist on the Guna website and making his second appearance on our podcast. He's a lover of fine wine, and he would argue even finer music, and he persuaded me to travel to Paris in July to see a Bruce Springsteen concert, something I had not done for close to 30 years. Let's see if his powers of persuasion on matters arsenal are equally influential. It's a pleasure to say hello again to Mr Ian Henry. Hello. And finally, one thing we encourage on this podcast is some balance of views to reflect the complete spectrum of opinion when it comes to Arsenal Football Club. And here is a man whose glass is defiantly half full. When it comes to optimism and a positive outlook, I'll have some of what he's on, please, Mr Barman. He is also returning to make a second podcast appearance and has been known to have the odd email joust with the previously introduced panellist, so we might be in for some interesting exchanges. Who can tell? It's a very good evening to another sometime website contributor and another Ian, Mr Ian Tanner. Hello, Kevin. Now, for the avoidance of confusion when referring to the two Ians, I shall try to remember to address them as either Mr Henry or Mr Tanner or Mr. H, or Mr. T, whatever comes naturally, which feels uh, kind of appropriate given their respective professional standings. So let's get on with discussing the questions submitted by our listeners via email and Twitter, as well as anything that comes up. So, gentlemen, last night, a interesting evening. Uh, I think everyone would agree Arsenal were quite fortunate to come away with a point. Um, Mr Tanner, do you think this indicates Arsenal are going to be fortunate this season generally? Or did you see things last night that made you think it might not be so easy as that? Well, I didn't see anything last night. I, I was out at another do. We got in at about soon after, about quarter past eight, and uh, I listened to the last hour of the match on my wireless set. <laughs> um, so I've, I've yet to... I will, I will once the, the highlights and the link are on Arsenal.com, I'll certainly get around to watching some of the match, although it's maybe through... Um, 
through my fingers or behind the sofa, whichever's appropriate. I think luck, I mean, we've certainly been lucky in the last two games that we've seen, because, I mean, uh, as, as you put in on the your Southampton resume, I mean, I mean we were pretty lucky to get, a, 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 certainly get a, a win. I mean, Koscielny, I would have... Uh, I would have blown if I'd been the referee, and uh, as you said, we'd have, they would have, we'd have been furious if the same thing had happened at the other end. But uh, I think let's not forget that often Arsenal dominate games, and you know we look and think they're leading one nil, and they should have been four or five up, and then the opposition get a draw, and we say same old Arsenal, and uh, you know that's the mark of a, a, a poor team, uh, or, or, or or as appropriate, or, or, or a good team that can play badly and get a get a draw. And let's face it, from what I understand, it will be nearly, you know, nearly got a winner. But uh, so yeah, who, who knows? But I think it's, it's probably still too early in the season. I'm, let's see, I'll get all our players back first, or some more of them. Okay, uh, Leith, you were actually there, yeah, um, in in uh, in the stadium, uh, covering the match for the Islington Gazette, and. Um, did you do you think they're going to win this group I've got to say first of all I'm absolutely shattered and the only reason I'm here is because of you Kev so uh, I've got to say that. I've, got to say, <laughs> I've got to say as well you're wearing a magnificent t-shirt for the viewers back home it's a Dennis Bergkamp top so uh, yeah very pleased about that um, yeah apart from the fact I haven't slept in two days um, I was quite pleased with the result as a fan I've had a season ticket for 30 odd years and going home away all around Europe and um, we, we pulled it out we, put, we won a point last night when we didn't deserve to as a journalist it, the performance in the first half wasn't good enough wasn't anywhere near good enough if we want to you know, win the group let alone challenge for the, for the actual trophy then we need to step up and, and play a lot lot better than we did I think I was at Fingers um, post-match press conference as well and um, he seemed to be quite shocked at the intensity that Paris started at I don't know, you know, he obviously he, he, he knows French football inside out. We'd like to think he should do. And he seemed genuinely shocked by their intensity, their pace, their power, their, their, their passing. I was very, very impressed by um, Marco Verratti, the, the Italian. He, he was running between the lines. He was feeding forward players brilliant balls to, to exploit the space between our lines, basically. And they just played so well that first half. And I, I did think they need a second goal. And... Um, I, I bought a keep yesterday, a keep, and um, I was having a quick read of it before the game. There was a there was a really interesting piece by um, by Remy Gard actually, and it, he was basically comparing Cavani to uh, Giroud, and he was basically saying Giroud has got a better conversion rate of chances. I remember reading that and just going, well, that, that can't be right. And when Cavani scored after 42 seconds, which incidentally I think is um, is a record for us to concede a goal in Europe, which was quite worrying to start with. <coughs> I thought, oh God, this, this, this is going to be this is going to be a rout here. But yeah, three. Em, I was at Emery's press conference as well after the game, and he was very disappointed. You could see by his body language, he was obviously trying to be positive in terms of praising the player. But he said he missed three good chances, and obviously Spina played well, but Cavani was just too profligate, and he but he should have he should have done far better. So to answer your original question, that was a good point because we couldn't have afforded to lose to Paris if we want to win the league, we want to win the group basically. You'd assume, and obviously you can't assume anything with Arsenal these days, but you'd assume we'd like to think we could get two wins from the Bulgarian team, you know, avoid defeat away to Bar and win, maybe win at home. So it's all down to Paris at home. If we win that, having avoided defeat yesterday, I do think we can win the group. Okay. Do you share that confidence, Mr Emery? Uh, well, I'm not sure I share confidence with a team managed by Arsenal Mega, um, but I do think Arsenal should be able to win the group. They were certainly lucky, as everybody said, that Cavani missed three or four chances that you would 
wanted your own players to put away. I think if Iwobi could learn to leather the ball, yes, he would have scored the winner, actually. He tried to pass it into the net from not a very good angle. But he's young, that's fine. I think, taking a point from Leith on, I think it's very worrying if Wenger was shocked by PSG's starting intensity. I mean, he must know, after all the many years that he's worked in football, to borrow one of his famous phrases, that teams will on occasion, start intensively. And just because they're French doesn't mean that they can't or they won't. And he should also know that Emery, coming to that club from Sevilla, Sevilla, who has won many games in Europe, won a European trophy, he's got three years on the trot, he knows how to play European football. Emery is a proven winner in Europe, and he will be no fool. He'll know that Arsenal have got a somewhat dodgy back four and are open to being attacked in that way. So he probably told... Serge Aurier, just attack, get down the flank as quickly as possible. So that's good management to him, but it's worrying for me that Wenger doesn't seem to think ahead on those occasions. The, the last two games, the central midfield pairing has been Cazorla and Cochrane. Uh, Elneny and Jacker have been on the bench. The fact that he's picked the same two in consecutive games, and both in theory significant games, do we think that his first choice midfield is that, that actually Xhaka is, is a backup? It seems a strange decision to a lot of people. I think it's bizarre, quite frankly, to spend all that money and praise him to the hilts, talk about him as an Emmanuel Petit and so on and so forth, and then leave him on the bench consecutively. I mean, it, maybe there was a case for leaving him on the bench against Southampton and playing him last night. I think his physical presence, his size would have been a, an assistance. Um, I think he does like Cazorla and Cochran and they played very well together for parts of last season and maybe he's hoping to replicate that but I think from what I've seen of Jacques, he's a better player than Cochran. He's got a wider range of passing. He may um, be a bit hot-headed on occasion but so is Cochran. And what I saw of El Nenny last season, I think he's definitely a better player than Cochrane. So quite frankly, I find it bizarre. And it, the other thing about Cazorra is he's only just coming back from a very long period out. Um, he's over 30, and you're expecting him to play 90-plus minutes week in, week out, two games a week. I'm not sure he can do that. I'd say there'd be a risk to overplaying him. So I find the whole thing a little bizarre, personally, but I haven't worked a day in football. Mm. Or even half a day in football. Or even half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my attitude was on, on I saw the, the Southampton team sheet that they give um, Cochrane the start there with keeping Sacco and or Amani back for, for Paris. Mm. But um, I think Cochrane was one of our better players against Southampton. So, yeah, he was mm. in with a tackle like the, the terrier that he is. And maybe he felt that purely based on that performance, he should. You know, keep him in the team. So maybe it's to do with that. But, I mean, I'm sure he hasn't spent thirty odd million on a, a player as that kind to have him warm on the bench the whole time. But I mean, if we're going to progress this season, big if perhaps in you know, play fifty five game season or whatever it happens to be, then we are going to need um, El Nenny, who won three consecutive Player of the Month awards last season. Zakar and Kokalan et al. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to say, I'm a bit, um, I'm a bit confused with. Um, Zaka at the moment because uh, see Wenger the way I saw it he was praising Zaka for playing long balls and, and giving us a bit more muscularity in midfield allied with his obviously his deep lying position that's great but I mean 
surely every player who plays for Arsenal in midfield can hit a ball long. And also, if, if you're saying that the team's been bolstered by a defensive midfielder, then why didn't you buy it in 2008? Why didn't you buy it in 2008? So that we could have carried on and challenged for the league that year. It just seems a bit disingenuous of Wenger to say, you know, he's really changed our play or he's really improved us. Well, he should have done it five years ago. He should have done it ten years ago. No. I don't really understand. In, in terms of Cazorla, I, I actually love Cazorla. I think you made a really, really good point. The fact that I don't think he's going to—he's not going to play 38 league games no, nowhere near. No. But he's—he he's, he brings a real creativity. He brings a spark. He plays football with a smile on his face. We've all played football, albeit albeit really badly. But you look at him for two minutes. <laughs> you look at him for two minutes. You can't tell whether he's left footed or right footed. I think that's such a such a skill to have, basically. And the last play I can remember doing that for Arsenal was probably on uh, on Kevin's. On Kevin's chest, as it were. But, um, you know, he's just... Cazola, is, he, he makes things happen. I, I, I agree with you, but it, it just seems... To me, selection-wise, it seemed very strange to play the two of, the two of them, Cazola and Cochrane together in successive games and not use Jack or El Nelly, at least one of them from the start. So it'll be very interesting. We've got... Who is it this weekend? Um, Holloway. Holloway. And then there's a... Forest, Forest and, and then Chelsea. Then Chelsea. Yeah. So he'll have to over those three, three games use the squad rather differently and I think I would imagine we'll see Perez probably definitely start against Forrest uh, Giroud should start one with them, assume at least one of those games as well um, he'll probably bring some youngsters against Forrest but it, he's he's now saying he's now got a squad of men and so on and so forth as opposed to kids well part of the art of management that I don't think he's shown over the last few seasons is managing a squad and bringing players in and out of the team as required through the season. I think we would all accept you can't actually play the same 11 week in, week out in the Premier League and the Champions League. So a core part of management nowadays in top level football is recognise that you've got to make probably two or three changes most big games anyway because you'll have probably have somebody who's slightly injured or definitely injured and you've got to rotate the squad more he's now got actually when you look at it he has got two experienced players for every position and with Welbeck and Murdersacker fit he's actually got more than two for, in quite a few positions so he hasn't had that luxury for some time mm. now let's see whether he's got the management skill the modern management skills to do that one, one um, final point on the Cazorla um, you mentioned about him being two-footed. Wenger has said that he was the most two-footed player that he's ever yeah. worked with. But ahead of Burkamp. Oh yeah, yeah. That? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of selection, what's um, fascinated me is that Giroud hasn't started a game. Um, so we've had, um, from memory, I think uh, Alexis. Obviously, we had Perez one game as the nominal front man. I'm not sure if Theo played one game or not as a forward but the memory's not what it was but anyway the long or short of it is that these players are what you'd call false number nines mm. um, do you think that's going to be the tactic this season that Arsenal is determined to make it work or is Giroud going to come back because I'm amazed he hasn't started the game yet I mean, I, I, with Giroud, I don't think he can win the Premier League with him as his centre forward every week, week in, week out. He brings a lot of qualities to the team. He's obviously good in the air, he can hold the ball up, you know, down in with faint praise by saying that. 
and he will get a share of goals. He's only 14, 15 goals or 500 goals for Arsenal. It's only like 17 players have done that in Arsenal's history. So he obviously deserves respect for what he's done, but I just can't see how someone as immobile as Giroud can be the, the, the answer, basically. So maybe Wenger is looking at that and deciding to, to, to have more flexible flexible sort of forward. I, I, I watched Perez closely in, on the Southampton game and, um, yeah, I mean, we interviewed Wenger after the game, basically, and he was, he, he was just saying he, was, he wasn't near... You know, he just wasn't near the intensity of English football, so hopefully that will come because he looks a very nippy, pacey player. But as a false nine, I'm not sure he looked more of a winger to me, Perez. So I think he probably could play false nine, but I don't know how influential it would be. Well, he scored 17 goals, I think, in Spain, and he has to be pretty, pretty good, I think, to. Well, yeah, you know, Ronaldo gets 60 this season, doesn't he? He got 30 from that yeah, line, so. I'm not sure. I mean, I think I'm thinking of players outside of Barcelona and Real Madrid. So yeah. Seventeen is, is in a losing side. In losing side, yeah. is, 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 is I don't think we'll get anywhere near that. No, I don't. But I don't. I don't. That may or may not be the case. Depends on how he plays. Uh, but going back to Kevin's question, is, is a false nine the way forward? It's it, if it is, it's a bit of an odd one because he's. That's a, quite a change from the way in which we played for the last X years. And do the players really know how to to play that system? And you've got if if that's the case, then effectively your front three um, of as of last night, Oxlade Chamberlain, Iwobi, and Sanchez have got interchange a great deal more. Seems to me, and it also seems to me that your nominal wide players in that system have got to be capable of scoring more goals than Oxlade Chamberlain. Certainly does. Um, now I, I'll give Iwobi the benefit of the fact that he's only just come into the side, and you know it was his shot led to the equaliser. So um, fair enough. But it, it requires a different set of skills that we've not seen from Arsenal players of late. Now maybe they can do it, um, but it does strike me if you're going to change the system radically, you've got to coach it into them, and that begs the question about whether Arsenal really are coached in the way that we suspect that Man City and other teams are. Mm, okay. Um, I mean, obviously, fluidity is a key thing in the team, and uh, I mean, the problem I have with it is is that you need more people in the box sometimes than we seem to manage, yeah. and uh, that's that's a general problem. Whatever system we seem yeah. to play, you need more balls in the box as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, at the other end of the pitch, you know, we also had a, an interesting selection decision. Um, I'm going to actually bring in some of our uh, tweeters here. So we've got a couple. Um, regular Guna contributor and occasional podcast, podcast guest, Simon Rose, has tweeted, past Chelsea success aside and known mutual weaknesses on the table, is the current check really any better than Ospina? And one from Daryl Lewis, who asks, can Wenger drop Ospina after last night's performance against PSG? Um, so why, why, why do you think Ospina was picked last night? Well, going back, obviously Simon, I've got a lot of time, Simon, he's a good lad and he obviously knows his arsenal, and that's a really good question. The post-match press conference last night, someone actually asked Wenger, you know, will Peter Cech come back on, on Saturday? And he refused to be drawn on it. He was he basically backtracked and and sort of just changed the changed the angle of the question and said um, you know we've got two world class keepers. I think Espina has genuinely put Czech under pressure now, which I couldn't have said a year ago about that. I, I 
I'm not sure he's brilliant in the air in English football, but he looked really good last night. I don't know whether he's been listening to Pep Guardiola talk about the sort of sweeper keeper, but his, his timing in terms of interceptions and coming outside the box was, was impeccable last night, and he really, oh. he really did look good. Peter Cech, I absolutely love Peter Cech. I respect him. You know, forget about the Arsenal Chelsea rivalry. He was a brilliant keeper for Chelsea, and anyone who says otherwise, you know, they've done that for me, basically. I just wonder whether he's almost like the sort of Pat Jennings of the 21st century, where he's, he's a great career in another London club, and he's come to us just, at, just at, on the sort of downswing of his, um, of his capabilities, really. Was it Man City last year, a couple of games at Man City, and um, he gets beaten by low shots outside the box on a, on a regular basis, and I'm a bit worried about that, really. And he, even in the air, he just seems to have lost a bit of authority. So I do think Wenger is seriously thinking about whether Ospina can challenge to be number one. I think, I think he said last night in the press conference, Wenger, that yeah, there is like a, uh, not so much a pecking order, but a, a, a mutually agreed order at the yeah, moment. Yeah, he did say that. Which yeah. is kind of saying, well, um, Czech is going to play in the Premier League and Ospina in the, the Champions yeah. League until further notice. Yeah, but the question that was put to yeah. him after the follow-up question yeah. was, will Czech start on Saturday? Yeah, but he's not going to, he's never going to answer that, but I'm sure he will start on Saturday. I really think so. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, I, I mean, I think Ospina played very well last night. He played better than I think I've ever seen him play, so credit to him. And I personally, I thought it was a bit of a gamble to put it mildly when I saw that he was playing, but, you know, it worked. I think he's too small a keeper, I think he's only just six foot or maybe maybe in five eleven. I think that's too small to be a keeper in the Premier League given the nature of the number of crosses that will come in and the size of some centre forwards at, at, at certain other clubs. And I think and if for those kind of games, Czech definitely has the advantage. Now, if Wenger looks at this performance and thinks, well, maybe he plays that well, maybe I will use him against a team like Man City that, um, who may play that way. Maybe trying to be quite cute and think well I'll play a goalkeeper according to the nature of the opposition it seems quite a high risk strategy to me but maybe that's what he's thinking but yeah I, I, don't, I don't know if it's horses courses I think you've got you've got to pick your keeper to start I, I would agree but I, I think agree. there is a sea change in terms of his not, not, maybe not so much belief in check but him being forced into making a decision because of Ospina's performance last night I genuinely believe that I know, I know Barcelona, when they won the Champions League uh, two years ago, had a policy of a different keeper for Europe mm. to the league. Mm. I can't remember Real Madrid last year whether they did the same or they stuck with the same guy. Well, um, it looks as though PSG were doing the same because the, the, that keeper who played last night hadn't played in the league and they'd been yeah. playing. Right. So it's German becoming thing. a bit of a vogue. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Um, there's a couple of uh, tweeters. I'll just mention them. I don't think we need to... Uh, really respond necessarily but as they've bothered to uh, send us offerings I will <laughs> mention them Real Gone Kid uh, tweeted apart from making money what is the point of Arsenal in the Champions League um, and uh, we could go all nice about that one and uh, regular tweeted Jonathan Houseman said uh, with a squad stacked with options did the line up the PSG show the manager has no idea how to use it I would actually paraphrase that with a request for a one-word answer from all the panellists, which is simply this. Would you have started Olivier Giroud last night, yes or no? Mr. T- Mr. Henry? No. Leith? No. Mr. No, Tyler. I wouldn't, no. Interesting. So, you wouldn't have started Giroud. All right. Anyway, so uh, that's uh, PSG done with... Um, 
Let's look I at... I could say also that not only did he not start the game, he didn't finish it either. For the second season running in match day one yeah. of the Champions League. Yes. Um, okay, let's do this one then. Uh, Joe Gagliardi, who is also a regular um, uh, tweeter for the podcast questions, asked this month... He would be interested to hear the panel's opinion on whether this will be Arsenal Wenger's final season. Do we see any signs of white smoke or anything similar from the Emirates in terms of anything that's happened that indicates Arsenal is considering, or even the board are considering, uh, changing uh, the, the manager at the end of the current season? Any any thoughts on that? I, I think the bottom line is, is money. So if it comes to Christmas and we're maybe not in the top four, maybe, you know, obviously we hopefully we will be in the top four at the end of the season. But if we're floundering fourth, fifth, sixth, there's a lot of discontent in the, on the terraces or on the seats, you know, and it comes to his contract renewals or contract talks, there will be a lot of people who are really, really unhappy. I was at, um, I covered the game at Leicester and... Um, Obviously, on the back of the four-three defeat against Liverpool, there, there, it was almost a mutinous feeling in the away end. Obviously, uh, that was placated slightly by um, the, the winner Watford and our subsequent form. But there is a real sense that a lot of old-school Arsenal fans, supporters, just like anyone else, will not renew their season tickets if Wenger's given another two or three years. Like, this is just a straw poll, you know. I'm, I'm not going to get into. Wenger out of Brigade or Arsenal knows best it is too tedious to talk about tonight but I do genuinely think the club will look at the bottom line and if a lot of people turn around you know Black Scarf Brigade and all the rest of them who are genuine fans if they turn around and say we're not going to renew if Wenger's going to be given another two or three years then I, I think that might, be, that might influence the board so having said that it's only if we're out of the top four and we're looking like we're struggling if we're top of the league we're challenging for you know second place behind Pep then you know, I think they might. They they might give them another couple of years. I, it's just it's just it's a bit worrying, really, because the the personal abuse that Wenger gets is unacceptable, as far as I'm concerned. Every other question is 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 perfectly fair game, and he he runs that. I've seen it. It's a great. It's a well-run club. We all love the club inside out. But having seen it from from the inside now. He runs that club with an iron fist, basically. He, he, it, it's his decision. But, the, and if it was down to him, I think he'd, he'd have to carry him out in a box, basically. But the bottom line is Stan Kroenke is, 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 is a money man. And if Wenger's team is not challenging for a, fourth, a top four spot come Christmas or when the contract talks are going to be um, instigated, that might have a massive effect on it, a massive impact on it. But at the moment, I would, for me, see out the year, walk away with your head held high. I think another, another factor which some people have commented on is, but not very widely, is um, what will happen with the Ozil and the Sanchez contract renewals because um, they are in the last two years and we all know that we want to get them signed up this year. And I wonder what those two players, given their status as our supposed two megastars, whether they will sign on if it is another three years for Arsene Wenger or not. They might, I don't know. My suspicion is that they both want to win things. I'm sure they want more money, but they want to win things at the end of the day and they haven't come here 
not to stand a chance of winning things. And if they don't think they're going to win something under Mania, they'll either say, well, I'm off, in which case the club will have to sell them next summer in order to raise the money, or I'll sign subject to Mania not being the manager. Now, whether the club would accept that, of course, is another question. But those two players may have quite a bit of power, even if they don't realise it. I mean, I think that's an absolutely fair point, but at the same time, I think that's quite a romantic view. Obviously, every player wants to win a trophy, yeah. wants to win silverware. But at the same time, if you want 150 grand a week, who can, you know, realistically afford to pay them 150 grand a week if they say no? Then they're not going to sign. Obviously, Oz would come from Real Madrid. He's not going to go back there. He's not going to go to Barcelona, essentially. No Italian club can sign him. They can't afford his wages. No German club. Unless he goes to, say, Man City, who don't look like they'd be interested. I think it's pragmatism rules every time and money speaks basically and they're going to stay, both of them stay all day long I think. Well, I hope you're right. Going so back to the original question of, of Wenger, I don't. I know the high Greece spy um, in the, the current issue of the Guna plug plug is saying that uh, yeah, every day we don't hear about a contract, a new contract, Wenger is a, a day close to the end but I, I, think, I think he's got false hopes there. Nothing is, we're not going to hear anything until February at the very earliest, I don't think. And at the end of the season, if, if, if Arsenal had a, a reasonable season, and you're going to say, OK, define reasonable, and if, if Wenger can see the, the squad developing, then I think he will want to stay. And if, if he has a bad season, I think that he will then decide to go anyway. But going on to the Ozil Sanchez, um, Mustafi has said that Ozil was instrumental in him coming to the club because when they were together in Germany, obviously they, or the, the, the German uh, team, of, of course, in the Euros, you know, they spent some time together and, and Ozil was waxing lyrical. And you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, Wenger said, you know, they're, they're opening talks now with Ozil and Sanchez, so you know, they're not going to be in a position to say, you know, to make demands about Wenger, but I think if they did make demands about Wenger, it would be more along the lines of they want him to stay rather than they want him to go. Yeah, I really do. I mean, the only thing I would say in terms of uh, the the wages um, is that if they did call the club's bluff, they could see out the contract, and then the wages wouldn't be a problem because they get such a great yeah, yeah, sign on fee. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, that's that is an option in this day and age. It is agents that call them the shots yeah. more than anybody. I mean, how old? I was 20, 27, 28. 27. So, mm. you know, presumably in the next two years he'll be pushing 29, 30, so no one's going to give him a four year contract. Mm. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, we'll talk about the manager. Um, he, he said that the players, I mean, this is the first podcast of the season, so we've got to reflect on the season so far. He said after the Liverpool game that the players weren't ready. Um, why do you think they weren't ready? I, I, I've got a lot of respect for Wenger. Always have done. I'm not going to get into which side I'm on. But for me, that comment was a scandalous dereliction of duty. Mm-hmm. To, to say at the first day of the season, your players aren't ready is simply unacceptable. You, you work all pre-season. You work from the, the day the season, previous season finishes, to build up to your first game of the season. End of story. Obviously, with the transfer window going to the first of the first of August, whatever you know, that's changed things over the years. But you work for that first day of the season. No excuses. You can't say we're not ready. And that 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 was almost a testament to his his lack of activity in the transfer market over the last two, three, four, five years. Basically, yeah. to say it was so frustrating to say that was just an insult to a lot of Arsenal fans, including myself. 
And as a journalist, for someone to say that, it just well, you're like, well, what's your strategy then? Well, why are you saying that? Uh, Mr. Tanner, did it did it surprise you to hear that? Uh, yes, because uh, it's normally more politic and diplomatic than that. I mean, it, it was, a, I think, a confluence of misfortunes. I mean, we obviously lost Gabrielle and Murtasaka in, in pre-season, mm -hmm. which you can't legislate for. OK, he knew Koscielny was going to be back. He is seemed adamant that they have their four weeks off yeah. from their last day of playing. And you know, yeah. he said, legally, we have to give them that time off. Which turned out not to be true. Yeah, well, and, and, yeah and a lot of the other French players actually yeah. played. Yeah, yeah. Season, yeah. but yeah. If, if he wants them to have time off, because mm -hmm. as he would say, well, if I do play them and they get injured after three weeks, you're going to be criticising me oh. for that, which is a fair point. We, we would. So yeah, Sanchez is on, on the bench and that, so you, you've got the 20-year-old holding, I thought, passed brilliantly and it's yeah, a really run for the future. Yeah. The only trouble, of course, is that it costs two million, so you can't be <laughs> like it. Um, and then you've got you know, Chambers, who is obviously as nervous as ever, but who Wenger thinks is going to be a great centre-back one day. Let's see. We'd lost faith in Ramsey before and then suddenly he had that wonderful season so you know, who knows what he might he might do great guns at, at Middlesbrough let's hope so so it, it was a makeshift team but it was one that was having the better of, of that game against Liverpool um, obviously we should have been at least, at least two up we were talking about this earlier about missing opportunities we missed the penalty um, and then they had that nonsense of a, of a free kick before half time from which they scored a brilliant goal and, and we all know what happened from there yeah. so, but, but just in terms of defending yeah. we looked all at sea. yes we did after I, that uh, yeah. you're absolutely right about Ramsey as well, but for me, it's, it's going out on loan. I know Ramsey went to Forest for, for a month or two and, uh, and, and Cardiff as well, I think. But um, yeah. you go out on loan, you're not coming back in the Venga. Oh, I, 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 I don't know about that. Well, and I think that applies to Jack Wilshire as well. No, no, he's, he's, I think he, what he said, I mean, maybe he's lying, but he said about Wilshire, he is a world class player, I'm his number one fan. Yeah, but then, um, that, that's just a statement. That, that's well, a, he's not referred to anything about him coming back. A week, befo week before Gnabry was sold, he said, I'm going to extend his contract. So, yeah. mm. But to go, to go back to the players being ready or not being ready for the Liverpool game. I agree with Leith that it's a scandalous thing for him to admit. And on the centre-back issue, Mertesacker uh, was injured and then Gabriel got injured or was it the other way around? No, that's right. And he had several weeks before, yeah, before the start of the season to do something and he didn't. He just... And I, they could have got Mustafi in earlier, they could have got another centre-back in earlier he should have, if Mustafi was the centre-back they wanted, they should they should and could have made the effort to have signed him much earlier in the window. There's, Arsenal have got the money. They are supposedly the biggest draw in London, or maybe equal with Chelsea, who knows, in terms of players coming in. They were reportedly quibbling over stage payments for Perez at one point, and indeed for Mustafi. They needed a centre-back even before Mertesack and Gabriel got injured. Yeah, absolutely. And when Mertesack got injured, the failure to do anything then was pretty scandalous. And then to delay it even longer after Gabriel, it, 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 I just find it utterly mystifying. And for somebody who wants to clearly win trophies under, at Arsenal, I don't understand why he continually ties one of his hands behind his back yeah. by failing to address weaknesses in the squad. You're absolutely right. That, that is the crux of it for so many Arsenal fans and so many people looking on as well. Why doesn't he just strengthen the squad? We've got the money now, and even if you know our reserves aren't as as, as wildly sort of, you know as large as people say, we can still buy players that are good enough to supplement and strengthen our squad. And he's resolutely refused to do that over the years, and it's so frustrating. It's not like you know Neil Warnock or 
or, or people like that, Harry Redknapp at QPR when they bought 40 players and can't get them to jail. Yeah. It's just the most simplest thing to buy a player. Get them into your side, you know, strengthen. And also, it gives players there a lift, and it also makes them think, well, actually, someone's competing for my place here, I need to step up. And, and done it at the beginning of the summer, that's the best. Yeah, I've done it at the beginning, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. If, if you're right, I'm, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. Because again, and Wenger has said that um, you know, it's not like going to a supermarket and you know, getting one off the yeah, shelf, which yeah. is a bit of a thing. Yeah. But you know, Vermaalen, who wasn't good enough, you know, having been made captain, uh, and I wish I'd put this in a blog because I was thinking this, but I never got around to doing it. It was Mertesacker and Koscielny became the, the front two. So you've got a you know, non-playing captain just wipes the nose. Now, if he's good enough for Barcelona, then, you know... Yeah, but he never played for Barcelona. Yeah, no, 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 but even yeah. for their squad. That, that's the point. So they, there obviously aren't that many high quality that there's better than what It, it just are. reminds me of George Graham's tough. last days when he would always say, you know, if the quality's there, I'll buy it. But he never did. It's a, yeah. you, you can pick up a player. Like Rob Holding, there must be... Championship football is a lot stronger yeah. than it was five years ago. And that feeds down into, into lower levels as well. Yeah. There are players out there who are good enough to play in the Premier League. And there are players out there who are good enough to play for Arsenal, I think. And it's just... For him not to buy and strengthen and to say the first game of the season we weren't ready, it's just no awesome, come on. Well, if I just say one thing, I mean, you mentioned Tenor Penny, and that reminds me, I think, of your editorial talking Reds in the first, um, this year's first goon. I think you said that foreigners are Tenor Penny. Well, obviously they're not because they're so bloody expensive, but you know, I, 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 I take the point, but yeah, a bit more to it. Mm, okay. I mean, do we think this is the case? of Arsenal's scouting system not working properly or Arsenal not listening to his scouts in terms of us not securing players. Yeah, again it goes back to the fact he, he's, and everyone's said it for years, he, he's missing that foil, he's missing David Dean. I interviewed David Dean in March and he's a very, very charismatic man, he, he cares about Arsenal so much, his knowledge is amazing, he's very articulate. He, you can imagine them sitting there with the Campbell deal and, and Wenger going, well, I'm not sure. And Dean would have pushed that through. And Wenger will just, he's, he's a very cautious man. He's inherently cautious. And he will not gamble. And that, in a way, that's good because no one wants to turn into a lead. No one wants to, you know, have, have financial mismanagement. But at the same time, he needs a foil to say, look, Arsenal, come on, just, let's take a gamble on it. If you buy an English plan, it doesn't work. You can still flog it on to, to someone else for... for for you know, for half the price, and you haven't lost that much. He he he's lacking that, and he his judgment, I don't think is as good as it was twenty years ago. So do you are you then saying that he's 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 listening to his scouts, but then not going through with the deals? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, uh, without criticising anyone else, because they're they're very there's a, there's a really good team there. Someone like Leicester, someone like Steve Walsh, who's obviously been poached from Leicester now. He he's, he's the way he, 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 he identified young talent was, was reminiscent of Arsenal 20, 20 years ago. And you could argue Graham Carr did that at Newcastle a few years back. Wenger hasn't got the, the surprise of the French league now knowing people plays inside out. Football's caught up with him and he, he, he just... There's something lacking there, basically. OK. Um, all right, well, let's, let's look at things going the other way. So we mentioned briefly Jack Wilshire. Um, gone to Bournemouth for a season... Do you think that he has a future at Arsenal? Mm, well, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. Yes, I do. Um, I think there will. I think he'll have a good season down at Bournemouth. Of course, subject to injury. 
remaining fit. And I think if he does do that and he gets back in the England squad, which I think is quite likely, I think the pressure will be very much on Arsenal to bring him back and to integrate him into the team. And I think Bengal would actually lose a bit of credibility if he doesn't do that, if he has a good season. And Yeah, I, 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 at the moment I'm optimistic and I, I hope he does come back. If you didn't see it, audience, um, it was on Football Focus this last Saturday. They actually went down to Bournemouth and uh, was looking at the situation. And um, a phobie, um, who obviously you know, ex-Arsenal has gone there for a record price at the time, was, was very glowing about Eddie Howe. And um, I, I was surprised when I heard the news that he'd gone down there, but it actually does make perfect sense for, to me. And yeah, they were saying in the interview that they're, they're having to wrap him up in cotton wool. I hadn't realised, I mean, yeah, yeah, even Wenger said he didn't play last season. Well, he's actually not played for two seasons. Mm. His last full game was yeah. the defeat against Southampton, the 24th of September or whatever it was, mm. of two, you know, two years ago. That is a hell of a long time at any age yeah. to be out. But if, if he... If, can get back to it's not even training properly at the moment. Yeah. But he, I think he came on our first, you know, the first home game of the, the season, and he, he did make a bit of a, a difference there. Um, but obviously, that's for, that's like fifteen minutes or so. But no, I think if he can get his body back, then yeah, he could, he, he could he could do it. Yeah, for sure. I absolutely agree with what you say in terms of Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. I, I covered the game down there last season. I actually interviewed Phoebe and um, I was in a press conference with Howe. They're a very, very impressive, impressive club. Howe is a very, very impressive young English manager. Phoebe talks well. They're a good club. And if, if you're Jack Wilshere at 24, I, I don't think he would have got a lot out of games, really. I, I think going to Bournemouth is a very, very good move for him. But having said that, I don't think he's got an Arsenal career. I think it, and it's such a shame because it's not one person's fault. It's, it's, it's Wenger's fault in a way. It's Jack Wilshere's fault in a way. Late nights, lack of application, arguably. It's his advisor's fault as well, just, just telling him not to, you know, to, to knuckle down. It's, it's bad luck as well in terms of injuries. You know, reading Dennis Bergkamp's excellent book by um, David Winner a couple of years ago, Bergkamp talks about strapping his ankles and, and the fact that he tried to find the thinnest material to strap the ankles. And even then, he said the ball felt like it was, it was bouncing off his ankles. Jack Wilshire has got massive strapping on both both angles. Jack Wilshire's second touch is always a tackle because of his bravery and because of the way he plays and he always, always looks to drive on. And it was quite interesting that Wenger said his best position was not so deep. You know, he's a very attacking player and he's almost been penalised by his bravery and his courage. But at the same time, there's a lot of other baggage around him and I, I just don't think he's got a career at Arsenal. He's got Ozil ahead of him because he's saying that you know, he'd like to see him further forward. Yeah, yeah. Do the most Where's he going to fit now? Yeah. Arguably six got, players in front yeah, of him. Yeah, he's got Ozil certainly yeah. in front of him as world class. And it's a tragedy because I love it. I love homegrown players. And I, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm a Londoner, but I live in Hitchin and Jack Wilsh is a, is a bit of a local legend in Hitchin. He, that's where he's from. And, you know, I want him to do so well for Arsenal, but I, I think at the age of 24, having, as you rightly say, not played for two years, mm-hmm. to lose those two years out of your career at that age, yeah. there's no coming back. Because he's been at the top, top level. He, he, he and when he was 19, that, that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Barcelona, Barcelona yeah, game. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for Guardiola yeah. to highlight that, although admittedly yeah. it was a backhanded compliment in terms of we've got 20 players at the Massive yeah, to do yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, we all were, we were at the game, and he was brilliant that night. Yeah. And that's what we wanted to see for the next five, ten years of his career. And for whatever reason, it's fallen by the wayside. I wish him well, but, and I hope he does come back to Arsenal and has a brilliant career, but I just can't see it. I really can't. Okay. Um, so to go back to one of our uh, offerings from Twitter, uh, Dennis, uh, who's uh, 
handle is uh, Batis Tutor, or Batis Tutor, which is a pun on the Argentinian forward, I suspect. He says, uh, it seems like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is nailed on to start most games. Is he worthy of a starting berth? He's had a run of starts. Um, do we see any signs of improvement from the Ox? Or do we think this is... Uh, an experiment by Arsenal just to make sure that uh, he's had his chance. I was actually discussing this in a late night bar in Montmartre Paris last night with a friend. I'm sure we all remember the, the Palace game a couple of years ago when he played centre midfield with him too. Mm. It was February 2013, was it? 14? He was brilliant. He, it was almost Brian Robson-esque, the way he was powerful, the way he ran the show, the way he was prompting, prompting attacks, but also equally he was being quite defensively competent. And that is... For me, he's the best position to set in midfield. But will he play set midfield for Arsenal on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not, not, not with all our new buyers. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. He's one of those players. I interviewed him obviously for the Guna last year, and he he, he he's a very he, he seems a very complex player, very complex personality, I should say. He's obviously got all the talent in the world, but it, it just seemed like there was a lack of, a slight lack of belief in, uh, in in his ability. I think he's he's a player who needs to a run of 10, 20, 30 games in a row in one position playing 90 minutes every game and avoiding injury and then we'll see he, where he, he goes never, but that's not going to happen he never yeah. looks happy when he's substituted no no. well I suppose you could argue that's quite a good thing disappointed I think yeah, yeah. yeah. but but you know I, I would have him set amid every game I, I was actually at the Valley because I'm a, I'm a Closet Saints fan I'm Bournemouth fan because that's from where I grew oh, up okay. and when he, when he got injured he had his shoulder injury when Southampton that night he disappeared into a hoarding and wasn't Good seen for me. several months after that <laughs> but there was, there was an on Arsenal.com, my, my Bible, of course, there was um, the, the um, Fenger talked about the Ox, Wilshire, and Theo pre season, saying this is a big season for all of them, which obviously it is for various reasons. But a year ago, um, Joel Campbell was keeping the Ox out of the team. You could argue that this season, the Ox has sent Campbell on loan for the season. Yeah. But, you know, he, he, he's going to give him a run, but at the end of the day, it's a meritocracy. If he he doesn't do well and I almost think that he wants to do so well yeah. he's looking to yeah. Yeah, beat too many players yeah. he gives the ball away a lot he's after the million dollar run or the, the fantastic shot from outside the box to cap it all off if he, he almost tries too hard it seems if that's not a silly thing to say yeah I think you're absolutely but, right but, you know, he's still, he is still very very young time is on his side is he, is he well, how old is he 22 ok yeah. um, Ian do you think he's worth a starting place Mr Henry uh, um, Mr Henry <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure last night who else could have played in that position uh, unless he put Sanchez or Werbe on the right and played a more conventional centre-forward. Having got, decided to play with Sanchez as, as the central striker yesterday and not wanting to start Perez, there wasn't really one, anybody else to play there. Well, he so, would have one time played Gazzola as a wide attacker. Yeah, he's, uh, but he's gone off that in recent years. Yes, he hasn't happened for a long time. So that, yeah, so I... I didn't think he played too badly last night. I thought he he, um, he he was also tracking back defensively, supporting Monreal on occasion or, or when he was on the other side, Bellerin. So, I, I again, I'm, it's a bit early in the season to, to be sure. I'd like to think, yeah, give him a chance. I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more interestingly would be when Ramsey is fit, where's he going to play and whether he'll have to play back on the right as he has mm-hmm. done in the not-too-distant past for parts of last season, so that's a, a more mm. interesting one. Mm, absolutely. Um, okay. Um, let's, um, let's look at the new signings, then. And just give our 
thoughts on their uh, contributions so far. Uh, let's start with Granit Xhaka. Um, have we seen enough to agree with Arsene's belief that this is a another Emmanuel Petit in the making? No, he hasn't played enough yet. To be, right. to be honest, okay. I don't think I don't think we've seen enough of him to know that. Right. Okay. Which is partly why I was bemused that he hadn't started out the last two games. Yes, I mean certainly quite an expensive player. Uh, so we're obviously hoping for great things. Lathan, you got any views? So yeah, I mean, I, I'm a bit wary when players sort of blow their own trumpet in terms of I'm, I'm tough, I'm hard, I can cope with the English league, and then. I looked at him at Leicester and he looked slightly bewildered. He had a better game at Watford and I think um, I think he, he will be a really good player for Arsenal. But what worries me slightly is his um, disciplinary record. Or, or, or I wouldn't go as far as say temperament, but five red cards in, in two years in Germany. He, um, he, he To be fair, when he came against Liverpool, he, he, he committed more tackles, he made more tackles in the 15 minutes that he played than any other player on the pitch, any other Arsenal player I should say. So he's obviously got that tenacity and he's got that bite and he's got that devil that we need. But at the same time, I just, I'm just i a bit worried. I, I want to see him, I want to see him play 20, 30, 20, 30 league games in a row, games in a row, I should say. See where he gets, basically, because he, he, he's what we need. We, we need a tough player. I just hope he is that tough player, rather than him saying he's a tough player and, then, and not delivering, basically. I, I would agree with all of that. Yeah, I, think I haven't seen enough of him yet. Um, invariably, when Arsene's asked Wax Lurica about a player, he mentions the I word, intelligence. Um, and, and he has with, with Zaka as well. But then when I sort of check through at the international break, the, the, the first of many, obviously, and I see that he's, his team are leading 2-0 and he's got sent off in the third minute of injury time. I'm yeah. thinking, how, <laughs> maybe he just yeah. can't help himself. Yeah. Maybe he just can't. It's not like... I've never been a high professional sports or anything like that level maybe it's not like a switch that you can turn off and on this competitiveness but you think well yeah, for goodness sake why get a, a, a second yellow or a straight red under such circumstances yeah it is about controlling emotions yeah. And, yeah. And, and so that could be a while and it is well, a bit worrying yeah, yeah. and then yeah he did the same thing last night yeah. 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 to be honest um, I wonder Rob Holding was bought for two million and went straight into the first team squad um, a bit of me thinks there's a requirement to address quotas in terms of that purchase, uh, the number of domestic developed players. Uh, but generally, people seem to have a positive view on his contributions so far, in spite of the Liverpool game. Um, do we concur with that? Again, from, from the little I've seen, yeah, I mean, certainly the, the Liverpool game, I, my, my first thought was he, his long passing out of defence looked really top quality. I thought, wow, yeah, he's a cool customer on the ball. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he seems like he's got a good temperament as well. Yeah. And he was, he was building a bit of a relationship with Koscielny as well, just in terms of you know, the centre-half pairing, with who's, who's going to go, who's going to stay, the, the, the gap between the two as well. And I, it, it, I think he's going to do well for us, but... That's what we said about Chambers. Mm. And that's what we said about Jenkinson, albeit a right back. Who knows? Who knows? Okay. Any views at all, Mr. Henry? Well, I didn't see the Liverpool game, so I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I think you may be right about the, the, um, the quotas issue, um, particularly with the decision to put Chambers out on loan. So, but yeah, I mean, given, you know, with all these players, unfortunately, it's a bit early to, to say we haven't seen them play enough to know, but um, at, at two million or whatever it was, two and a half million, I don't think we can 
worry too much about the fees, certainly, and I can't see there's too much of a risk. And from what I heard about Liverpool performance and the, the Leicester game he played, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I think he's pretty well Yeah, good luck to him. Yeah. We've got an email from Alan Thompson uh, who asks, he first of all says, just what difference is there between Callum Chambers and Rob Holding? Before then, continuing, was Chambers an expensive scouting error? Now, Chambers has gone to Middlesbrough for a season. Um, does it feel like there's room for him to return? Depends on Mertesacker, I guess, and whether they stick with Gabriel in the long run, whether he plays any decent football up there, I would like to think. Mm. I mean, was he an expensive scouting mistake? He was a Premier League player when they bought him. And there's always a premium for English players, whether we like it or not. I think he, I think he was unlucky that um, he started at right back when he clearly isn't quick enough to be a right back. He's a centre back, uh, but he couldn't get games at centre back. He was played at right back. I think he got roasted in the yeah. game, Swansea in particular, yeah. the yeah. Yeah. one. Um, so you know, you brought you, you, you brought in as one thing. I, did, I think he got called up for England after about two games for Arsenal as well, yeah. which I don't think actually helps. Um, in terms of you know, making that be bigger and better than he was, and he was, to my mind, he was played out of position. So, um, yeah, I think you're actually right. I, th- I think you know, as you said, he, he he suffered from being a utility player almost in terms yeah. of is he a right back? Is he a centre? Well, no, then he was played one game in central midfield yeah. as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Was, yeah, the holding and it just it just would never work. Just just like, yeah, just like Gareth Southgate playing for England against Germany in that position. But um, I genuinely believe that. Fenger thought he was going to be better than what he has turned out to be. And whether that's because he's been mucked around in terms of different positions or whether, like you say, that Southampton, that Swansea game has, has, has sort of rapidly changed Fenger's opinion, I don't know. But I, I genuinely think Fenger thought Chambers was going to come on, kick on, and he hasn't. But I, I think it also comes down to the fact that, to the best of our knowledge, we don't have sufficient specialist defensive coaching going on. And you can't bring in a player at 18 or 19, even with a big price tag, and expect them to be fully attuned, mm-hmm. premiership hardened and so forth. And I think you can already see, for example, Guardiola's impact on John Stones at Man City. Yeah. Yeah. And he's paid, what, best part of two and a half, maybe three times for Stones what we pay for Chambers. And I think that's probably going to turn out to be quite a good investment. Now, is Stones so much better than Chambers, or is it the fact that Guardiola knows how to coach a central defender? Yeah, I say that's a really good point. I, I think it's a bit of both. Stone, Stones is a Rio Ferdinand type player when you can bring the ball out and defence. Mm. And I could never understand the criticism he got playing for England when he slipped. And mm. I can't remember what game it was for. But um, if, if you're going to do that as a defender, then then you need your manager to back you basically. And Guardiola will back him all day long. So long as he's trying to play that ball out of defence, Guardiola won't have a problem with that. And I, I think that's great. Mm. And just in terms of sort of man management. Wenger is very, very, very loyal, very loyal to his, his players. But Guardiola's got something else about him. I was watching him after um, the, the, the Manchester derby on Saturday and um, the psychology he's got, and I don't know whether it's, it's instinctive or whether it's planned, but he, at the end of the game, went to his older players, more mature players like Bakri Senya, gave him a hug, shook his hand, looked him in the eye. He went over to Sterling and a couple of other sort of youths. He gave him a little cheeky tap on the cheek mm. and literally spun around immediately. He... His players know he's the boss, basically. I don't know if Fenger's lost that a little bit in terms of, maybe not respect, but just the fact that players think they can, they can sort of hide under the radar. Guardiola will absolutely get every one of his players playing for him. And if he doesn't, he'll bomb him out straight away. As we've seen. As we've seen, yeah, absolutely. 
It's interesting to see that Manchester City have started the season fairly well mm. without company, effectively yeah. without Torre, and at the moment without Aguero. Yeah. And Joe Hart. <laughs> Some people would call that the spark of the team. <laughs> anyway, um, let's, uh, we're getting close to the end, but I've got to bring in this one. You may not have a view on this, I don't know, but I'm going to read it out. Uh, it's, it's from Mike Francis, uh, the, <laughs> one, the founder of the Gooner, the original editor. And uh, he says, do we have any views, ideas on how to prevent away ticket allocation being a closed shop for those without 20-plus credits? So just to bring everyone up to speed, in case they're not aware of this, uh, basically, away tickets are allocated depending on how many matches you've been to in the past two seasons. And uh, tickets are now, for the Premier League, capped at £30. And the club even give money off that. They, they give a £4 reduction on that. Uh, so they're not expensive. Um, do we have any innovative ideas to give other people the chance of seeing away matches? That is a very good question, Bob Mike. What I would say, I mean, I, I looked at, I, I was an away scheme member many years ago, um, and I, you know, like all of us, we've all been away games, and we, I used to go to a lot of away games. They're the loyalists of the loyal. You know, you, you can argue, oh yeah, I, I watch Arsenal, I do this and that. If you're going to put your money where your mouth is and travel up and down the country, all across Europe, pre-season friendlies on another continent, for some people I know, and we all know, and that deserves massive respect. They, they, these people are, are really, really loyal. So it's not so much they're in the wrong, Who's in the wrong though? You know, if you're getting 1,800 tickets for Paris, you know, when we scored, there was a lot of Arsenal fans jumping up in dotted sort of packs around the ground. You're going to go, you, Arsenal fans are the loyalists and loyal. We, we, I think we've sold out every away league game this century, basically. So what, what's the option? It, it, you know, maybe you could force the, the Premier League to, to give a bigger away allocation. But in terms of if you're getting 3,000 tickets, I think it's the fairest way at the moment. I, I did phone the club last year just to see if, last season, just to see if... Um, you know, what, what the score was with the away ticket scheme. And they said there was a four-year waiting list. Yeah. So, you know, and obviously with the, with the prices going down, you know, they're, they're, they're probably, it's probably longer now. And then mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, the FSF worked really hard to get 20, 20 is plenty, and maybe it was 30 quid. My only bugbear with that is I don't want to see on Twitter certain people putting 20 tickets on, on a tweet saying, I've got five grand's worth in my pocket. Mm. I want to see loyal fans going to every game. And if it's only eight hundred tickets, they're the, they're the 1,800 most loyal fans. They deserve to go. Obviously, in terms of broadening that, 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 that sort of reach, what, what can you do? I don't know. I mean, we got, what was it, 3,200 for Forest. Then we got an extra four, five, six hundred, and that's sold out at no credit. So, you know, the, the, the demand is there. I think it's the fairest way at the moment. It's, it's not fair, but it is the fairest way. Unless, unless you say you can only go to three-quarters of the away games and... No, well, that, that's... Yeah. You know, but I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate, I'm trying no, to think how, how no. you can do that, so... It's no. caught some pint pots, um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it was a choice I made last night, didn't it, that I was to do something else first. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm an arsehole through and through, absolutely. but there are people watching this, anyway, you guys, are, you were at Paris, and, and I wasn't. I, I've been. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah so, yeah, it's got, I mean, you try telling Maria Petri that she's got to miss a game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she said Jordan to me, and I think you were there at the time uh, at some event, she said, Arsenal is my life. And yeah. she's yeah. there for the ladies and um, yeah, Barnett, so yeah. Yeah. Underhill, and yeah. we're playing them. Yeah, there's everywhere. A, yeah absolutely. There's and a local John yeah, Williamson who does the same thing. Yeah. people that they can't go. Yeah. 
maybe they could uh, separate a percentage for a ballot or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I suppose you could you could say, well, we're going to hold that back ten percent of eighteen hundred and, and just have a, a lucky dip, as it were. Mm. I don't know, but okay. but I, I I just think that the people who are there at the moment, the loyalists, the loyal. Good luck to them. Okay, I'm just going to uh, just uh, name check a few people who we didn't ask questions because we kind of covered them in other ways. Um, Ahmed uh, El Tayeb, um, apologies if I've uh, mispronounced that. Um, she wore a yellow ribbon. Um, who asked cheekily, "Will it take half the midfield to get injured before Wenger gets the lineup right?" And Probably. Uh, Darren asked one. I will uh, obviously famous tweeter. I will re. I will actually ask his question in a different way. He asks, "Is this team good enough to finish fourth, let alone win anything?" I will ask now a yes or no question. Will Arsenal finish in the top four in the Premier League this season at the end of May, Mr. Henry? No. Both. All day long. Yes, and Mr. Tanner. Yes, definitely. So that's a two-one vote so to say. Yes, they will. Um, that's it for those that contributed uh, questions. Thank you very much for them. Oh, hang on. No, I've got one more, which is to thank Sean Macca5, um, who was on a separate sheet, so I've missed him out. Uh, it seems inevitable that Alison Wenger will get another contract. How many more years do you think he'll stay here squandering it all? That's a bit of a cheeky one. Well, and he also asked, it seems the status quo of the, cl- status quo of the club is locked down. What are the chances of any positive change and when it seems hopeless? What, what is positive change? Well, when he says the status quo of the club, um, I'm assuming he means A, the manager, and B, the ownership. Um, it's easy to say Lismanov should take charge. Well, I don't know. He's asking us to debate that. Mm. Um, all I will say, Sean, is that everything has its price. Mm. So if Sam is offered enough money, things will change. If you win the lottery tomorrow, maybe you'll be the one <laughs> owning the club next week. I don't know. Yeah, even the current roll over this. Many thanks. Many thanks for your uh, question. Anyway, uh, I will now conclude by plugging the current issue with the Guna. It's the first one of the current season uh, when I'll set up a Liverpool home match, and such is the dearth of home fixtures. It will still be available. Available. <coughs> For the game against Chelsea and also Basel, if you haven't purchased it yet, if you do pick it up at the stadium, it comes with a free A2-sized art poster of Alexis Sanchez. Uh, Amongst other things in the issue are an interview with the Invincible Lauren by our good man Leith across the table. The In the Away end is uh, looking at the chat rooms at the top time of Spurs v Newcastle, the Tottenham chat rooms, it's a great read. Uh, there's a recollection of a Clive Allen transfer saga from 1980, uh, debate on Aaron Ramsey's best position after his performances at the Euros, and plenty more. It's available from the online Guna website through the shop uh, there if you want a copy sent to you in the post, or you can buy an e-edition to read it on your tablet or phone details on the website. We are also looking for a couple of new sellers for the season if you are interested in making some money before going into the stadium to watch the game. Just get in touch through the website or uh, look for the contact page uh, at the bottom of each uh, page. Uh, Basically, you're going to email me, which is guna.ed at gmail.com, but it's it's there on the website. Finally, a reminder that you can, can contact us regarding anything to do with the podcast via Twitter. 
at Guna Podcast and via email gunapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks once again for all your questions and topics submitted for today. With that, it is goodbye from Mr. Henry. Goodbye. Mr. Tanner. Goodbye. And he's made it to the end and could look forward to a good night's <laughs> sleep if he wakes up in time to get off the train. <laughs> it's farewell from Leif. Cheers. We will be back with another edition next month. This is your host, Kevin Witcher, saying goodbye and thanks for listening. la di da di da la di da di dee All good friends and jolly good company. Well, hey!